Okay, we are in uh, Lesson 10 today. We're, we're progressing right through the book of Daniel, and we're going to go to another story. Everybody's kind of familiar with this story. When my kids were younger, I was a fan of VeggieTales. How many of you know about VeggieTales? Okay, I was a real big fan of VeggieTales, and, um, and I believe it was 15 years ago they came out with Rack Shack and Benny. How many of you remember seeing that one? That's one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, and it's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're going to talk about them today. And, but, you know, the re- reality is, is it's, a, it's a great Sunday school story that we tell our kids, but we can lose a lot for you and I in reading the text, can lose a lot if we just look at it as just a great Sunday school story. Because I want to remind you that... The main character in the book of Daniel is God. It's not Daniel. It's not his friends. It's not even Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? The main character in the book of Daniel is God. And, and the, the whole purpose of the book, and we're going to especially see that next week when we get into chapter 4, is to show that God is sovereign over what happens with nations. And he's sovereign over kings, and we're going to start to see that today because we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar, you know, if you thought that maybe Nebuchadnezzar was doing okay last week because he acknowledged that God is the great God or whatever, you're going to see that he's not doing well. He's not doing okay because he's kind of filled with pride in who he is and his position as the ruler of the world, okay? And we're going to see that uh, he kind of has a confrontation uh, with the three Jewish men, and, well, of course, we know the story, but we want to go a little bit deeper into it as we look into the text. And all of this Daniel is providing for us because when we get into the prophecies later on, which we're going to start seeing when we get to uh, chapters 7 through the end of the book, you're going to see that the issue isn't these kings, the issues isn't these nations, it's what God has in mind and what he has planned for the future. So let's look at this together. We're in chapter 3 of Daniel. And let's look, first of all, at verses 1 through 7. And you might actually be shocked today at some of the things I'm going to share with you, because in your mind, you listen to the Sunday school story, and you actually believe that it's this certain way. So I might tick some of you off today. That's okay. But we want to be biblical, okay, because you've got it. You remember the story. You were taught by... Somebody in your Sunday school class, this is what it means, okay? So I want to just point something out to you as we go, okay? It's going to be right here in the first seven verses, okay? So let's look at it together. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits, and he set it in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
and they stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried out, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that the king, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, and the lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music. And all people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay, so let's talk about this, first of all. First of all, Nebuchadnezzar made a large image of gold and set it up on the plain of Dura. Okay? Set it up on the plain of Dura. So, okay, this is, we're going to start right off with some controversy. Okay, who could tell me, what do you think this image looked like? Anybody? What did, what did you say? Okay, uh, Nancy says probably him. Okay, that's interesting. All right, possibly. Anybody else? What if you remember from the Sunday school story, you had flannel graph, remember? Okay. And uh, what, what was it? Some of you are shaking your heads. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. What was it? What was the image? No, okay, not a cow. Okay. <laughs> Boy, it would be an awfully scrawny looking cow when you think about the dimensions of it. Okay. Anybody else? What? No, not a calf. It's an image, okay? We just got out of chapter 3 where he sees a vision of an image. So everybody just assumes immediately it's going to be an image. It's going to be the same thing that he saw, okay? That's typically what we have when you, when you do it in, your, in the Sunday school classes, in the curriculum that we use in the back. They'll put a little image of a Babylonian guy standing there, okay? Now, here's the problem. The word actually means obelisk. Okay? The word actually means obelisk. Now, what's an obelisk, George? What in the world is that? That's a big fancy word. What's an obelisk? Anybody know what an obelisk is? Yeah, we have one in the United States in Washington. And it's called the Washington Monument. Okay? And that actually is a typical monument that the ancient Near Eastern kings would often set up for themselves. In fact, if you go all the way over... To First Samuel, you'll read about that King Saul went up on Mount Carmel and set up an obelisk for himself to commemorate his victory against the Philistines, or, excuse me, I think the Malachites, okay? And, and so it's an obelisk. Now, here's the other thing. How, do you, how can you say you think it's an obelisk? I, I mean, in my Sunday school class, my teacher, and I trust her, she told me, and she had the flannel graph, George, she had the flannel graph, and it was a golden Babylonian guy. Well, let's take a, let's consider the um, dimensions of it. Here's the dimensions of it, so that you understand. First of all, it's in Bible dimensions, which, if you look at it, it's 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide. What is that, George? Well, if you translate that over into what we use, feet, okay, it's 90 feet high, 9 feet wide. Okay? So that's pretty narrow, don't you think? All right? 90 feet high, 9 feet wide. That would fit with an obelisk. Okay? 
Could it possibly be just a narrow dude? Could possibly be just a narrow dude. But I wanted you to understand, what is the issue going on here? This gold image that he was setting up probably was to himself. You understand? Because remember, in the dream, Daniel said, who was the head of gold? Yeah, he was. Okay? And, and, you know, and it talked about how great he was. So obviously, out of pride, on the plain of Dura, which is in modern-day Iraq now, he sets up this golden obelisk. Okay? He sets up this golden obelisk. Now, here's what he does, though. This, this is the height of arrogance. Okay? Because you can miss this. All right? Because you can just say, oh, look, they were all supposed to bow down for it. Okay? Well, here's what you can miss. The, the king gathered all the officials of the empire for the dedication of the image. Now, let me just kind of grasp you, help you understand what we're talking about here, because the Babylonian empire extended all the way from Egypt all the way up into modern-day Turkey and just over into what is Persia. Okay? That's how big the empire was. So the king... this. I mean, grasp this. He's gathering every official. Because when Daniel lists these different names, he's talking about the different levels of official within their government. So he gathers all the officials of the empire for, for the dedication of this image. Okay? So this is some important shindig that he's throwing here. So it's some important thing. So in verse 3, we see that the officials gather before the image that the king had set up. So, I mean, it must have taken, I mean, you're not talking about hopping on an airplane and being there in in two days. We're talking, it's got to be months of preparation, months of getting there. All right? So they all gathered together before the image that the king had set up. Now, there's a herald. Now, a herald is, is sort of like the announcer. Okay, so for instance... When when I used to, oh in my last church I used to like to watch boxing all the time okay I guess boxing has been replaced now by whatever that mixed martial arts thing is okay UFC but I can remember there was a guy all there let's get ready to what rumble that's an announcer right that's a herald okay so the herald the announcer okay the herald called the people to worship the image at the sound of music. So he basically announces to everybody there, all right, when you guys hear the music, everybody's to bow down and worship this image, okay? Everybody's to bow down and worship the image. And those who do not worship the image will be cast into a fiery furnace, okay? Those who do not worship the image will be cast into a fiery furnace. Now, Let me just stop for a moment so that you understand what we're talking about as far as the fiery furnace. Now, I think Kerbinsville years ago had made bricks. Is that right? Who can describe to me, did they have the ovens? Could you see the ovens for the bricks? Were they outside? Because where I came from in South Carolina, uh, we had a brickyard near us, and they had an old-fashioned, they didn't use them anymore, but they had the old-fashioned brick ovens, and it was kind of like a round building with a round top, hole in the middle for the for the heat to come out, and then entranceways around it into the brick oven. That really, from archaeology we know, is similar to the kind of furnaces that the Babylonians would use 
for execution. Okay? So they would fire up these furnaces, throw you in, because that's how, that's because when you read about it later, you're going to read that Nebuchadnezzar could look in. How could he look in? Well, you've got these openings on the side. Okay? And you've got an opening at the top, so that what? The smoke would rise out of it. Okay? So, those who don't worship this image, who don't do what the king's commanding, are going to what? Be cast into the fiery furnace. All right? Now, so guess what happens? All people and nations worship the image that the king had set up. Let me just stop for a moment, because you've got to understand something. This is human nature. All right? Always connected with any government is some form of religious worship. Okay? I want you to understand that. Okay? So write that down somewhere in your notes. Always connected with government is the worship of some form of religion. You say, well, out here in America, we've got separation of church and state. Yeah, we have a form of religion here that we worship. It's called secularism. Okay? Secularism. Secularism is a, is a religion. Okay? If you go anywhere in the world today, it's going to be connected with some form of worship. Okay? In Russia, during the time of communism, there was a form there, and it was called atheism. Okay? Wasn't secularism atheism? No, no. In secularism, you can worship anything you want to worship, but the primary thing is, is the secular state. And that has been true throughout history. So, when you have people that are told that they got to worship this image, it's not that they believe anything is inherently divine about the image. Okay? It's because they've been told if they don't worship it, what's going to happen to them? They're dead. Just like when you come to the Roman times, when the church first started out, the problem that Christianity had in the Roman culture was not their beliefs. The Romans could tolerate that. It's because they refused to offer a little bit of incense to the Caesar, who they saw as a god. Now, did anybody really believe that the Caesar was a god? No, not really, because the Caesars changed quite frequently. Okay? The issue was is that it was connected with the whole issue of the government. And because they refused to do that, they were seen as rebellious towards what? The status quo. Okay? That's what's going on here. That's why these people are so ready to... Worship this image because, oh yeah, I mean, I gotta, instead of bowing down to this guy over here, I just gotta bow down to this one. I'll do it when the music sounds because I don't want to what? Die! Do you understand? Now, here's the problem. This becomes an opportunity for the enemies of Daniel and his friends to create a problem. So let's look at verses 8 through 12. Look with me. Now, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. And they spoke to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, made a decree to, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, and the lyre, and the psaltery in symphony 
with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now here it comes. Look at verse 12. There are certain Jews from whom you set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Okay, some political intrigue going on here. Okay. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and worship the gold image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If, you, if that is the case, our God will be able to, to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. All right, so let's look at this, the accusation. First of all, the accusers. Certain Chaldeans came forward and accused certain Jews. I remember now the Chaldeans were that special class of administrator uh, within the Babylonian kingdom. So these are very high officials, and they come forward. And notice the text is very clear that they're not accusing all Jews. Have you noticed that? They're not accusing all Jews because uh, usually when I teach this, somebody will say, well, well where's Daniel in this? Well, they're not accusing Daniel because Daniel's the favored guy of the king. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're only accusing certain Jews, which could be reflective of a couple of things. Number one, it could be reflective of they don't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being over them. Okay? They don't like them being in the positions of authority, so they've got to get rid of them. And the only way to get rid of them is you don't fire them, you get them killed. All right? That's possible that that could be. The other significant thing, and I think this is also probably in there, is that not all Jews were true Jews. Because when you got all these people and they're told to bow down, you may be Jewish, but you're also thinking about, I don't want to die. So you compromise what you believe. Okay? So he's making an accusation against certain Jews. All right, now here's what goes on. They remind the king, so this is how you do it. You just don't go up and say, hey, king, you got a couple people ain't doing what you said. They don't do that. They go up to the king and say, hey, king, don't you remember when you set up this image? You, you, you made some certain instructions. So here's what they do. They remind the king concerning the penalty for not worshiping the image. So they want the king. They're kind of they're working the king here. Okay? They're working him. Do you, you know what I mean? Everybody understands that? Like if, you're, if you've got your honey... And they're not in a good mood, and you got to ask something of them. What do you do? 
just come right out and ask them, knowing they're going to say what? No. You you work it. Am I understanding? What everybody comprehend? Am I the only one that does that? Am I the only one that does that? Got some bashful people here, okay? You learn to work it, right? You know, you 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 do the laundry, you cut the grass, and she says, "What do you want?" Okay, do you know what I'm saying? When they learn that you're trying to work it, okay? Well, they're working it here, okay? They're reminding the king concerning the penalty, all right? So here's what they do. They accuse Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of not worshiping the image. Not just worshiping the image, they accuse them of not worshiping what? The king's gods. So it's not just that they didn't worship the image, is that they're not they're not adhering to the religious value system of the empire. Do you understand? It's that they are they are contrary to everything that the empire is based on. The gods of the empire and this image. So it's they're lumping it all together. Now here's what happens. The king orders them to appear before him because obviously Nebuchadnezzar is just not going to accept their word. He's going to say, okay, let's bring these guys in here. He obviously likes them because he obviously likes Daniel. He knows they're Daniel's friends, obviously. And so he brings them in and says he orders these guys to appear before him. All right, I want these guys to come in here. Let them answer for themselves. Because we are interested in justice, you know. So here's what happened. He asked them if the accusation is true. Hey, guys, this is what these guys are saying. Is it true? Surely it's not true. Come on, tell me it's not true. So here's what they do. The king offers them, I'm going to give you another chance. Another chance. He offers them the opportunity to worship the image or face judgment. So he gives them another chance. In fact, that is so true throughout history. When you look at the martyrs during the Roman period, when they refused to offer incense, they always gave them another chance, and it still happens to this day, to deny Jesus and just just a little pinch, a little bit of incense, just bow down, just acknowledge the system. That's really what the issue is, just acknowledge the system, okay, and So the king offers them another opportunity to worship the image or face judgment. Now look, real quick, look at verse 15. Because I think it's very interesting. Because remember I told you, you're missing this story if all you focus on is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And their stick-to-itiveness and their faith and their character. And that's great. We don't want to take away from that. But there's something more going on in this passage. There's something more going on with this story. And I told you that the main character in this story is who? God. Look at verse 15. Look at what Nebuchadnezzar says. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? It's an issue here of supremacy. It's an issue here of who is ultimately in control. And Nebuchadnezzar is saying, there ain't no God that's going to get you out of my hands. And if I execute judgment, nobody's going to save you. No no God that you are worshiping 
is going to save you. I'm it. Because you have to understand, in their day, when you're, you're, you're the head of this kingdom, you, you thought you were God. Okay? You thought you were God. You say, that's not fit. Surely, man, we've entered into the modern age. Nobody thinks that way anymore. Oh, yeah. Just look at North Korea. The rulers of North Korea think they're God. In fact, they, they have a whole religion. The religion of North Korea is the worship of the, of, of the, of, son, of, of the guy who's there. I think it's Ung is his name. But, I mean, they, the worship this kid. He's a kid. He's in his early 20s. Okay? So they tell the king, here's what they do. Here's how they respond. I mean, you got to hand it to them. They tell the king, there's no need to offer an explanation for their actions. Hey, king, we don't really need to tell you why we're doing this. Whoa. Uh, okay. How many of you got kids? Okay. Everybody got kids? Okay. And, and, and we all know that kids are so perfect, they never do anything wrong, right? Right? Do we all know that? Okay. So when's the last time you confronted your child and you said, look, I want you to tell me why you did that. Because that was, you know, that was dumb. That was stupid. Why'd you do that? How many of you would accept to them, you know, Dad, <laughs> I don't really need to give you an explanation. How would you respond to that? You would not react well, right? Because they're questioning your what? Authority. Okay, that's what these guys are they're saying. They tell the king. I mean, this is bold. They tell the king, there's no need to offer an explanation for their actions. Here's what else they say. They express that God is able to deliver them from the judgment of the furnace. So here's what they say. You know what, king? You say no king can do this. No God can do this from your hand. We're just going to flat out tell you. Our God can deliver us if he wants from your hand. Our God can do this. So they're expressing confidence in that reality. But then there's something else they do that, you know, because the rest of us will say, oh, yeah, that's me. I would do that. Yeah, my God can do it. Would you do this? They will not worship the image even if God chooses not to deliver them. There's a big two words there. But if. It's actually three. But if not. But if not, but if not, you know, it's, it's real easy for us to say, oh, man, I just believe God's going to do that. Well, what if God doesn't do that? Are you still going to believe him? Do you know what I mean? We, we actually have a song that the band sings, even if, even if the healing doesn't come, you are God. You're still going to worship him even if what you're asking him to do doesn't happen? Do you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of us can get so disappointed, our hopes can get so crushed, because we were just trusting in Jesus, trusting in God to do something for us, and it didn't happen, and we don't understand, and so we get so angry at God because he didn't do it. Now, here's what Daniel, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Look, God, God can deliver us from the furnace, but even if he doesn't, King, we're still not going to do what you're asking us to do. We're going to do what's right. We're still going to do what's right because we trust him. 
Even if he doesn't do what we ask him to do, we're going to trust him. That's faith, isn't it? That's really where we need to be. So, look at what happens. The deliverance. Verse 19. Let's look at verse 19 through 23. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. Wow. He would be, wouldn't he? Think about it. If you're a parent, okay, but he's the king, all right, he's full of fury. And the expression of his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and other garments, and they were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, the furnace was exceedingly hot, and the flame of the fire killed those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Okay, let's look real quick here. What's going on? Number one, the king commands the furnace to be fired to a greater temperature. I mean, he is royally ticked off. It's like, we're not just going to kill you, we're going to really kill you. Okay? All right? You ever been that way with the kids? You know, you're just not in trouble. You're really in trouble. Okay? So here's what happens. The king commanded certain soldiers to cast the Jews into the fire. So he got certain big tough guys from his army, bind them, cast them into the fire. Now the soldiers were killed by the heat of the fire. Now as everybody understand that, you, you can get to where it's so hot it can hurt you. Did you know what I'm saying? That's why they have heat suits sometimes when you're a firefighter or whatever. I, like I used to work at the airport in Columbia when I was in college. I used to work for Piedmont Airlines. And you'd see the rescue crews going out there and doing their practices, and they would wear these heat suits because the fire around an airplane is extremely hot because of what? The jet fuel. Okay, you just can't walk out there in your normal firefighter suit, do what you got to do. you got to wear even more protection because of the intensity of the heat. So obviously these guys, I mean, it's pretty hot. They did what the king said. They fired it up pretty hot. They, they go with the guys. They throw them in. And it's so hot. And the reason why the text is telling us this is to explain what God's going to do. This is so hot that the normal guys who are throwing them in get killed. So here's what happens. The king sees. Now, he's looking again. Remember I told you, think about it in terms of like the old, the old uh, brick furnaces that we used to have around here with openings around the side. The king, from his distance, can look into the furnace so he sees three Jews walking in the midst of the fire unharmed. Now, that's got to really shake you. Do you know what I'm saying? That's got to really blow you away, because the other dudes, they're dead. And here's the three Jews walking around in the midst of the furnace. But that ain't all. The king also sees a fourth man like unto the Son of God. He sees somebody else in the furnace. Now, who's the somebody else, George? Well, he says, like unto the son, sons of God, or son of God. 
that there's two possible explanations, two, two views of it. I hold to one of them, but if you want to hold to the other, that's okay. The first view is, is that it's an angel, because angels are often referred to in the Old Testament as sons of God. Okay? The other view is, is that it's the pre-incarnate Jesus, the second person of the, of the Trinity. This is a theophany, is the theological word that is used. It's an appearance of God, the second person of the Trinity, which would be Jesus, in the furnace with him. That's the view I hold. Now, uh, that and two bucks will buy you a coffee of cheats, okay? But I, I, I tend to believe that Jesus was there with them, okay? Now, you might say, well, I think it was an angel. That's okay. Two bucks will buy you a coffee of cheats, okay? Maybe enough left over for a hot dog. Okay? If you add some more to it. But here's what goes on now. The king calls the Jews to come out of the furnace. Now, this has got to be radical, isn't it? I mean, just threw them in there to kill them. They're not dying. Hey, you guys, come on out of there now. Come on out. So he calls them to come out of the furnace. And then look at... What happens? Look at verse 26. We'll read it through the end of the chapter. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps and the administrators, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw that these men saw these men on whose body the fire had no power, and the hair on their heads was not singed, nor their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut to pieces, and their houses shall be made as an ash heap, because there is no other God that can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Okay, just real quick. If you notice there, your, your text says, and his angel, it can also be translated uh, as, as a, you're, some of you will put angel, a big angel, big A, it can also be translated a little A. Why do they do that? Well, the two views. Angel, with a big A, is referring to the second person of the Trinity, the angel or the captain of the army of the host, okay, which is a theophany, or a little A, meaning just an angel. Okay? So let's go on here. Here's what happens. So he calls them out of the furnace, and notice what happens. The officials saw that the fire did not affect the Jews at all. Okay. How many of you love making campfires? I mean, if you've been at Denny's, you know he loves a fire. Okay? You know what I'm saying? And if you sit around the fire, what happens to you? I mean, it doesn't matter how much you try not to smell like the fire. Even though you're not very close to it, just getting the smoke on you, you begin to smell like what? You smell like the fire, okay? Like, for instance, in my house, I have, I have a coal furnace in my basement. And as much as I try to work that furnace, I always smell like what? Coal. I smell like the coal fire, okay? 
because that's the nature of fire. Now, here's what happens. These guys come out of the furnace, and all these guys who had been accusing them come and check them out. Wouldn't you check them out? You'd be pretty freaked out. You just accused them and had them killed, executed, and they didn't die. They come and check them out, and here's what they notice. Hair on the head was not singed. Okay? Hair on the head was not singed. There was no smell of what on them? Fire. Now, that's pretty pretty spectacular, isn't it? I mean, that, that's different. That's not normal. That's not normal. So here's what happens. The king makes another decree. The king proclaims that God had protected his servants. The king proclaims that God had protected his servants. Now, let me just stop real quick. Before you think again, okay, well, wow, finally... Nebuchadnezzar's getting it together here now. He's believing. No, you've got to understand, he's polytheistic. He just now recognizes that their God's more powerful than what? His God's. Okay? He goes on, the king proclaimed that any who accuse these Jews will be put to death. Now, if you're the guys that were accusing them, what are you thinking? It's not the fiery furnace. He's issuing something else for you. What is it? You're going to be cut to what? Pieces, and that's what they did. And here's what he did: the king promoted the three Jews in the Babylonian Empire. He promotes them. He gives them better jobs in the Babylonian Empire. So that's the end of chapter three. Next week we're going to get into chapter four, where God again deals with Nebuchadnezzar, and this time really humbles him. And that's going to be radical when you see what he does. Okay, let's grab a coffee.